Broadcasting from the beautiful Hill Country in Texas, this is OneRadioNetwork.com. Well, a very pleasant uh, good afternoon to you. This is Patrick Timpone, and it's about 1 o'clock or so, Central Time. Hope you're having a nice day. 19 July 2022, uh, phone number. Well, we're using the phone with our guest, Brandon Smith, so email would be the way to communicate if you want to participate in any way that you uh, feel appropriate on this uh, Tuesday. Uh, looking for the rain angels. If you know some, send them our way. Pretty dry here, but I got a feeling it's going to do some good things. Tomorrow, Adam Bergstrom 2.0 on the third Wednesday of every month. Our good friend, Adam Bergstrom. And then also Matthew Errett. Matthew's in Canada, and he studies a lot of really fascinating interconnectedness of the giant squid called geopolitics and what these guys are up to, much like we'll talk about today from a little different standpoint. But I did send Matthew this video, and he, he, he sent it back and that we're going to play for it, and just with a devil smiley face, he says, oh, I'm glad these people are looking out for us. So we're going to talk uh, with Brandon Smith. Brandon is a good man. He lives in Montana, the great state of Montana. And his goal, uh, the site, which is altmarket, alt-market.us, has just been about to educate people, you and me, uh, about the evidence and philosophies that the mainstream establishment refuses to discuss in an honest way. He's a real patriot. Uh, He encourages people to around the world and Americans to decouple from the existing system and become more independent, self-reliant as individuals. Sounds like a great idea. Alt Market is about freedom. And up in Montana, I guess there's a lot of freedom. You guys got buffaloes up there? Uh, Brandon Smith, good afternoon. Hey, uh, thanks for having me back on the show. Sure, sure. Um, Yeah, I believe we do have some buffaloes out here. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I've been eating some uh, some buffalo uh, meat uh, lately from a really nice grass-fed place. Boy, it's good. Have you had buffalo? Man, wow. I, I have, actually. I've had buffalo burgers, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah much more lean. <laughs> is it? Is it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Are, are there a lot of folks up your way that, um, that make a living uh, raising uh, different uh, animals, uh, beef, buffalo, cows, whatever? Yeah, that's probably the main... Uh, agriculture or industry up here is beef and I guess wheat, wheat and beef. Uh-huh. Wheat and beef. Do you all get plenty of rain to keep the the cows and the buffalo happy eating? Uh, we've been getting a lot of rain this year, uh, more than usual. So we must be getting all your guys' rain. <laughs> yeah, you know, I I sure wish I knew what was going on. I I just don't trust these people. They're they're not manipulating it, you know, and why they would pick on us and you know, well, you know what I mean. I don't know. I just don't know much about that. People claim that there is harp, you know, going on with uh, manipulating the weather, but um, people claim a lot of things, Brandon. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, last year we got no rain, so maybe that's <laughs> just that's just the part of the, deal. the way of the weather. It's it's shifting north this year, and next year you guys will get it all. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you'd like to be on the show, as I say, you can join us at Patrick at OneRadioNetwork.com. So um, I saw an article that you wrote on one of my um, favorite rants places called uh, Zero Hedge. 
that publishes you from time to time. I hadn't been on your site for a couple of weeks. And uh, you posted a video on an organization called, uh, what are they called here, man? They're called the um, Council for Inclusive Capitalism and the Vatican. So that, you know, so, and we're going to play the video for people, but introduce this a little bit and give us an idea who these people are and why we should even care. Ah, well, uh, <laughs> how, do I, how do I explain these people? Um, <laughs> I know, I stuff. <laughs> uh, everything you ever heard about um, conspiracy theories, the, the New World Order, the, the so-called Illuminati, all the stuff that people make jokes about and right. memes about on the Internet, uh, it's all true. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. Yeah, that, it really um, is. Is it, Brandon? I mean, the, the, the power like of uh, the Rothschilds and the whole gang and the Vatican? Yeah, it's, it's all true, and it's all open. And um, mm-hmm. it became very open just in the past two years with the formation of this group called the Council for Inclusive Capitalism. And the the video itself will will probably explain most of it to your okay. your uh, yeah. listeners. But but uh, I I would say that the one thing that makes this group uh, I would say different from a lot of the others was so we we've had a lot of focus on the World Economic Forum. Right. People like Klaus Schwab, um, because these are the people that are sort of in the media all the time. They got big mouths, and they're they're talking all the time about uh, the Great Reset and the Fourth Industrial Revolution and all of these agendas. Uh, how much they love the they loved the COVID pandemic and how they thought the COVID pandemic was going to be the big thing to yeah. push their agenda. Um, but I think with what the WEF and, and groups like them, I think what they are is more. Uh, like think tanks, mm-hmm. I think they're they're more about theory, whereas the Council for Inclusive, I'm just going to call it the CIC from now on. Okay. The, CIC. the CIC is more about implementation and less about theory. I think these people are actually implementing the agenda itself for Klaus, Klaus and his crowd, it. for for the Davos crowd, we call them. Yes. They're implementing. Yes. Okay. Well, yeah, let's do it. It's five minutes, and you can you can just listen to these guys and, and watch it on video, or if you're on audio, just listen. A video is kind of fun, and you'll see some names there that are interesting. I think the first name you see is last name of the Rothschild, so that is pretty curious. Uh, so let's do that, Brandon, uh, and you can listen in here. Uh, here we go. È necessario e urgente un sistema economico giusto, affidabile e in grado di rispondere alle sfide più radicali che l'umanità e il pianeta si trovano ad affrontare. We are answering Pope Francis's challenge to create more inclusive economies that spread the benefit of capitalism more equitably and allow individuals to realize their full potential. majority of people around the world say that they think their families will be worse off in five years. That's a scenario that we simply can't accept. Too much wealth has accreted to too few people. If you make money, 
What's the point if you're not prepared to share it? If the people who help make that wealth for you can't live with dignity. It's inclusive capitalism though, and we have to recognize that starting from where we are to where we need to get to, you know, we need to bring everyone as, uh, along and there will be adjustments that come with that. We do need the private sector's ingenuity, capital, technology, people, everything, their passion to come to the party. We want to operate in a sustainable way where incentives are aligned across generations, not just across quarters, and the main actors take a long-term perspective. Aligning our innovation with the UN Sustainable Development Goals and the priorities of inclusive capitalism is both a business and sustainability imperative. Two reasons, I think, why I'd say concrete commitments uh, to inclusive capitalism matter. I mean, the first, and, and not to be underestimated, really important, is they can inspire other people. And the second thing that I would say around concrete public, public commitments is they can help build trust. Leaders in the business community can be a unifying force. They can be a, a source of opportunity. They can be a source of understanding. So we as business leaders can step up and solve many of these economic problems. I think business uh, plays a very important role in, re in resolving these challenges. I think businesses have to become you know, part of the solution through leadership uh, by example uh, and through leadership by incentives. We are stewards of this earth. It's our duty to keep it clean and to keep it decent for future generations. I'm wanting to embark on this journey to provide the guidance and the assistance of the church's own social thought and whatever other consideration might be necessary, you know, whether ethical or, you know, just social guidance, so that this group that has, you know, taken up such a noble task of making capitalism work for the good of humanity, achieve its goal and land on target. So this is our vision, this is our purpose. Look, the fact that different religions need to come together on all matters is just the crying need of the times in our world. Faith cannot be used to pull us apart. Faith is meant to bring us together. And the fact that I'm a Sikh and somebody else is a different religion, to me, doesn't matter. Our work is indeed about social justice, which is rooted in the gospel. The idea that every person deserves to live in a just society. Capitalism is at the heart of innovation that creates higher standards of living. And we know that it's been working, yet we also know we can do a lot better. We need a new system focused on the well-being of people. It's a big challenge. But if it is done right, the benefits will be immense. It's not just an asset owner. It's not just an asset manager. It's not just a, a CEO. It's not just these boards of directors. We have to work collectively over the long term. What I think capitalism has to stand for to, to be inclusive capitalism, how we help uh, everybody have equal access to the opportunity, have, have the economic mobility. The council is a terrific body in which we can assemble a critical mass of companies to join and commit uh, to concrete actions 
uh, that not only affect and improve the communities in which we live, but affect the world community of which we're all a part of. We believe we need more than a thousand organizations on board, and only with this very purposeful collective action, we will see the systemic change across markets that will make capitalism truly inclusive. We invite all businesses, large and small, and individuals to join us as stewards for inclusive capitalism by going to our website, agreeing the principles, and making your own commitments to inclusive capitalism. Please join us. Thank you. You're welcome. How can you not, I mean, how can you not trust Lynn Forrester Rothschild? How could you not trust it, Brandon? I mean, how could you not? Now, that sounded great. So they, they're saying that this capitalism that we're doing now is not working because uh, there's a lot of have and have nots. So they're going to they're gonna get together and they, all these people, for those of you on audio, I'll just give you a, a, just a quick thing before uh, Brandon comments here on some of the people that were talking, the head of Ford, the head of BP, the head of Merck, uh, the head of Bank of America, the head of MasterCard, the head of DuPont, Mark Carney, Farmer Goldman Sachs, uh, uh, the Bank of England, um, you know, those are bank of CalPERS, the, the hugest, biggest um, um, people that take, uh, CalPERS is the, um, the fund for all the people that work in California. What do you call those things? Uh, you, know, you know, whatever. You know, we part workers put money in there and they, they, pay their, they pay their retirement. So so what do you think? I mean, don't you feel, do you feel better than knowing that these people, their vision is to make capitalism work for you, Brandon, and me? Well, the, the hilarious thing about, uh, well, there's a lot of hilarious <laughs> things about that video, but the, the, the main <laughs> hilarious thing to me is that they they complain about capitalism, they call capitalism, I don't believe we live in, you know, the capitalism, the word was created actually by communists. It was a, it was a means to disparage the idea of free markets. Um, They call the, they, communists came up with the word capitalism and now we use it all the time um, because the media uses it all the time. But really the, our system, our economic system was supposed to be a free market system. And the, the idea of free markets was that no one gets to control or dictate the terms of the economy. Uh, the market dictates the terms. So uh, whatever works best according to what people need at the time in terms of the economy, that's what would be allowed because there is no, there is no economic dictatorship. No one's going to try to steer the ship. The market steers the ship. The public steers the ship. Um, that would be a pure free market idea, maybe of a, a more libertarian viewpoint. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, there are certain elements where people will say, well, what about, uh, you know, evil corporations? What, what do we do about them? And, and I would point out, uh, corporations are not free market entities. Uh, this is a mistake that a lot, a lot of libertarians make when they try to support the idea of corporations or monopoly. Uh, that's not fr- those are not free market entities. Those are socialist entities. Corporations are chartered by government. They're given special protections by government. Without government, corporations cannot exist. Neither can monopolies. So uh, mm. these are these are socialist entities, not free market entities. Um, the fact that 
But again, what's hilarious to me about that video is that they're saying, well, capitalism <clears throat> is uh, unfair because it concentrates all this wealth into too few hands. Right. It, it, except that it's their hands. <laughs> These are the people who got all the money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so do we really believe that they're going to just give all the, up all that power? They're going <clears> to <throat> create a new system where they're giving up that power, or are they going to create a new system where they get more power and while pretending that they're giving up power? Um, I think that the latter is more likely. So uh, that's that's the funny thing about that to me. So, so the idea that they, they put this out, this, this CIC organization, because then they must have some um, lot of plans that they're going to do to, to do all the stuff that Klaus Schwab's talking about, right? Stuff. Yeah, they're and they're, do they're, stuff. <clears throat> they're gonna do stuff. They're already doing it, oh. and they're already doing it. Uh, one of the things that I think uh, we're seeing from this group, and it's, it's definitely accelerated in the past two years, is the uh, idea of the uh, you know woke woke movement or uh, you know woke capitalism? You, what we're seeing, and a lot of these corporations are involved, and and uh, basically you know keep in mind that these are some of the you know uh, most of the top corporations in the U.S. are a part of this this yes. group. Right. But it's not just the U.S. or Europe; it's all around the world. So you're seeing corporations in Africa, in China, hmm. in India. They're, they're, they're all around the world. They're, they're getting involved in this CIC group. <clears throat> and uh, that, I think that is one of the main reasons why we're seeing a lot of these corporations pushing uh, woke uh, propaganda, uh, diversity propaganda, yeah, right. um, Green New Deal. gender... Yeah. Gender fluidity propaganda, Green New Deal propaganda, it's all being pushed by corporations and really heavily in the past two years. Yeah. So, yeah. I, and that's, you know, you would think, well, all these corporations, you know, you'd think there would be some... Some good guys, right? <clears throat> comp- competition, right. that they wouldn't be all on the same page, but they are, and that's because they're all taking orders from this, this group, the CIC. Do you have any idea of, of how they... They pull that off, like I'm head of Ford or, or MasterCard or something. I mean, how do they do that? I mean, these people aren't just inherently spooky just because they become a CEO, are they, Brandon? No, I think <clears throat> these people are, are groomed over many ah. years or, or ah. decades to into these positions of power. And that's the, the CIC is not a new thing. It's just, it's just an open thing. It's the one of the first times we've seen this in an open way, where they're saying basically we need a, a Congress of corporate leaders and business leaders to control the world. Yeah, <laughs> that's, essentially, right? <laughs> that's what they're saying. Yeah, that's what they're uh, saying. Wow. <clears throat> excuse me. And uh, that's right. The uh, but the the organizations it's the the organizations themselves the the connections the associations. All of these people have been in other groups that are less open, that are more secretive. So, for example, you have a lot of the same people that are in the CIC are in the Council Council on Foreign Relations, which has been around for well over a century. You know, so these people have been associating for together for a long time. Now they've just decided we're going to come out into the open, into the public, and we're going to put on a show. 
as if we're trying to save the world. Yeah. We're trying to save the world, but what we're really doing is we're centralizing even more power for ourselves while we're trying while we're making the public think that we're going to be their saviors that we're going to save them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so how um how are they going to get more control? What methods do you think they're going to use and what are they telling us they're going to do? One thing that I thought was very interesting was a comment from uh, this, the head of Bank of America yeah. in, in reference to the CIC. And he was saying that basically these uh, corporations as a collective could make most of the changes that they want. They, they could implement the agenda without even um, uh, having help from governments. That they could just go and all this stuff. For example, uh, the carbon control agenda. Mm -hmm. uh, he was saying that they could just go around governments and they could implement their own uh, carbon controls and uh, have their own, basically their own taxes for carbon where they charge the consumer for, for the carbon that's being used for whatever, whatever widget that you're buying. Um, hmm. And then through that, they could implement their own carbon control programs. So uh, basically, it's government by corporations, uh, for corporations, <laughs> they won't tell you that, um, but it's government by corporations, and most of the policies that they talk about <clears throat> could technically be implement implemented without governments. They could just go around them. I see. So, for example, the recent Supreme Court decision that kind of took away a lot of the juice from the EPA to, to control carbon, they probably thought about this, and they're just going to do it corporate, like, like you say, so they would be able to do a carbon tax if you buy a car or a computer or something, tax you, a carbon tax. It would be something along those, <clears throat> along those lines, yes. Uh, something in, in the way of, you know, we are deciding that carbon pollution costs this much, uh, you know, uh, cost us this much in terms of uh, environmental capital. So now we're going to charge this much more money for our our Toyota or for our Ford a car or truck. You know, um, that's one of the things they'd be doing. But it would be we're talking about a full spectrum changes to society. So not just economically, not just uh, through you know environmental issues but also through uh, social and ideological issues. So, like, the, all the woke stuff, all the equity and diversity, all that crap, <clears throat> that's being pushed by corporations. Yeah. And uh, a lot of people make the mistake of thinking that, oh, the corporations are, are bending the knee to the, the woke activists. And that's not the case. It's the corporations that are mostly creating this, this movement from thin air. And the, the activists are almost peripheral. So uh, we're talking with Brandon Smith. It's alt-market.us. Check out his website. Get on his newsletter. And uh, he's up in uh, the great state of Montana. If you have a comment, question, Patrick at OneRadioNetwork.com. So you, your take is that this has been a long-term plan where they groom these people to become CEOs of MasterCard or whatever, just like they do with maybe Musk and Zuckerberg and Gates and all of that. This same same idea where they they put these people in power because they 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 groom them and they kind of control them in a sense. 
or they've approached them over the years and, mm. and gotten them involved in other groups that are not as uh, public. So, like, for example, I said the Council on Foreign Relations. Then you have the, you know, the weirdos that go to places like Bohemian Grove and, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, you know, and uh, who knows how they rope these people in. Um, you know, possibly blackmail, possibly, uh, you know, incentives. And uh, also there's, you know, the the fact that a lot of them seem to be narcissistic sociopaths, so maybe they just look for other people who are like them, who are in positions of power sure. also. But then you, I hear you, so I'm hearing you saying this could be, this was a big long-term plan and the whole COVID thing was part of it? Uh, it seems to be. I mean, the, the the WEF, and you had Klaus Schwab coming out and just uh, crowing to the moon about COVID, the, the COVID pandemic and how it was this great opportunity. Those are, those are his words. It was a great opportunity to initiate the reset. Um, so, And then you had Event 201, which was the simulation of a COVID pandemic, which they held two months before the real thing happened. Yes, sir. So, you know, there's a lot of, you know, there's not a smoking gun in terms of them and COVID, but there's a lot of bizarre connections. You had Anthony Fauci and uh, the NIH through different organizations funding the development of uh, of, uh, uh, human infectious COVID uh, in Wuhan, in the the level four lab in Wuhan, China. You, You have a lot of things that connect COVID to these people. And uh, it's, I, I don't know, I, I think uh, as far as if I was a betting man, <laughs> I would say yes, they were, they, they helped create the COVID pandemic, or at the very least, they saw it as a huge opportunity and they tried to take advantage. And Brandon Smith, this, this idea or the, the actual fact that, you know, places like Disney and Netflix and over the last couple of years have just got all wokey, you know, just crazy, you know, crazy land. You got to wonder how that happened. It had to be, I mean, these, I don't know. What do you think? I mean, it just doesn't happen by accident. There must be, they must talk to each other or something. I don't know. Well, Netflix, they got, they started doing this stuff as soon as, I believe the Obamas became huge Uh, investors or ended up on the board of of Netflix. Netflix. Yeah. Excuse me. And, um, the well, Disney. I, I don't know. They've always been very bizarre. That if you look into the history of Disney, it's, yeah, it's pretty pretty spooky, right? Pretty. Spooky. It's not. Yeah, there's a reason why all those little kids from the Mickey Mouse Club turn out to be weirdos once they <laughs> become adults. Um, so yeah, that. But definitely, it's become more open. I would say a lot of these companies have had uh, these ideologies in mind, but um, only in the past you know, a few years has it become really open. Yeah. And that's what is most concerning, is that now that it's out in the open, you know, I've always said, uh, you know, criminals don't admit to their plans until they think that you can't do anything about their plans. Oh. So, huh. so <laughs> that may be the case. Uh, maybe they're, they're, they think that they've got it in the bag, that, that this agenda is going to happen and there's nothing anybody can do which is why they're be- becoming so open about it, or maybe they're just very arrogant and they wrongly assume that they've got it in the bag. Yes, I don't sir. know. Uh, speaking of free markets, though, I mean, we see things like 
Disney's getting their butt kicked in their stock, uh, their their uh, attendance, right? Netflix, they just fired another 300 people because nobody wants their stuff. I mean, maybe there's enough free market action out there where these corporations won't be able to survive doing this woke stuff. Well, that's the thing. They've actually been trying to uh, condition the public to this, I think, a new philosophy in terms of consumerism, which is that uh, you you must consume whatever product we give you. Mm-hmm. And if you don't, if you complain about it, then there must be something wrong with you. Uh, You must be a bigot. You must be uh, a racist, whatever. Um, This is a very new sort of attitude for marketing (laughs) that um, we've only seen in the past few years. Uh, And it's not working. It's not working out for them. I think they thought it would work, and uh, it's, it's not. You can't... See, they can saturate the market they could saturate media with their with their propaganda all they want but the one thing they can't do is force people to watch it so uh and they can't force people to spend their money on it that's the thing they think that if they saturate the market that there's nothing left for people to buy so they'll just buy Buy propaganda because there's nothing else but um what's really happening is people just aren't buying anything they won't they won't buy any of that stuff and they don't want anything to do with it, and that's why <clears throat> these companies are failing. And uh, now you're seeing the rise of more independent uh, business people um, producing their own media, sure. and Lots. people are starting to buy that up by the, the truckloads. Yeah. And that's what really scares them is the idea of uh, alternative um, business people coming out and producing their own media products and the public consuming them. That's really what scares them. So you think that this could be a they're, they're a critical mistake thinking that people were just going to buy it. People were just going to, you know, buy it. It's okay if girls kiss on a Disney movie and everybody will buy it. But the movie bombed. Just, you know, just one girl kissing another girl. Something. Now they have gay... Uh, other gay uh, what superheroes right <laughs> and all the I you know it's amazing that they could sit in a boardroom and really think that this is going to work. I just it's very interesting. Yeah, and it's and you know I want to preface by saying that I honestly you know if you want to make your own uh, uh, you know original gay whatever sure, superhero yeah, or whatever cares, yeah. go ahead and do that i don't care yeah. but what they're what they're doing that's not what they're doing what they're doing is they're taking over people's beloved franchises and and all right. of these uh things that people have fond memories of all these products that they have fond memories of and stories and then they're uh, uh gutting them and they're turning them into vessels for uh woke politics yeah so then you're surrounded all the time by their politics and a lot of media is about escapism and and just kind of setting aside the real world and politics for a a couple of hours and just uh, you know uh, immersing yourself in a fantasy story or someone else's story that's not having to do with anything today and they're taking that away from people they're taking that away and they're saying you're not allowed to escape um, you can only consume our propaganda, and you can only listen to our uh, woke ideology. That's all you're allowed to do. You're not allowed to escape. And that's really, I think, pissing people off. I think they're getting really upset, and they're showing it 
by not spending their money with these companies. Yeah, it's a good point. This is not about people choosing to be attracted to the same sex. Nobody cares, you know. And we're not against, and I'm not against that. If that's what people want to do, it's okay, you know. Uh, but it's not about that. It's about, uh, I think they're going to even do like a gay Superman now, too. Uh, you know, I mean, what's more uh, iconic than Superman, you know? <laughs> also, who cares? Who cares who Superman sleeps with? Yeah, I, that's right. I, Nobody cares. Nobody why? Cares. Why does that even need to be an issue? And that's uh, that's sort of spread from uh, media into everything else. So, I mean, you you have this uh, ideology invading public schools now, and that's what the whole big thing in Florida was about with the, right. the so-called "Don't Say Gay" bill. That it wasn't about "Don't Say Gay." It was "Don't Don't Indoctrinate Our Children." with your gender ideology, because number one, it's not based in science. <clears throat> number two, it's political. Uh, so, you know, don't do that either. If we came into a public school and said, all you kids have to learn conservative ideals now, and you're not allowed to learn about anything else, uh, they would, those people, the leftists would lose their minds. So, <laughs> you know, don't do either then. You know, if that's, if that's how it has to be, don't do either. And this this notion of, um, you know, get them while they're young, indoctrinate them while they're young, uh, is very leftist. And, uh, I, you know, this is um, really upsetting people. And I think that's really where this, the shift came from, was the, the fact that when people realize they're targeting the children in schools, that's when we saw a huge yeah. turn yeah. and the pendulum started to, to swing back. It's the old ideas about the mama bear, right? Come after mama bear and she's not going to be happy. <laughs> so they've made they're making a lot of miscalculations here right these people no matter how powerful and how rich they are they're making a lot of miscalculations uh narcissists always do oh, Nar narcissists always miscalculate their influence and how much they especially uh don't understand how much people dislike them <laughs> <laughs> What's the so, technical uh, definition of a narcissist? What, what, what's their M.O.? What's their M.O.? Uh, well, there's a lot of factors. The, I guess the primary one would be constant self-absorption and self-interest. Um, for the people that we're dealing with at, at the top, I would say they're narcissistic sociopaths. So the, the, the defining factor would, for them would be a lack, complete lack of empathy. Uh, no empathy and also uh, constant constant self interest. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. The weird thing about the elites or the the globalists or whatever you want to call them is uh, that they uh, they're organized. They're they're highly organized narcissistic sociopaths, which is um, odd. It's not it's not new in history. You know, we've had <clears throat> cartels and uh, monarchies and the mob and you've, you've had organized psychopaths in the past but there there's a whole other level yeah and I guess their interconnectedness with media has been a long time in the in the works right beginning probably with CNN and or even CBS back in the Vietnam days when the CIA got together with Walter and had him not not say certain things about the war Yeah, the media is, is heavily involved, uh, you know, the, the corporate media and uh, certain, I guess you would call them more small, like medium tech 
industries, medium tech journalism. Uh, journalists, I think, want a seat at the table in terms of the establishment and uh, you know the the reset. I think uh, you know at least the higher end, higher up journalists, they want a seat at the table. Uh, and then the culture of journalism has become one of of, of um, sycophancy for for elitism. Uh, there's uh, sort of an element of nepotism. There's elements of um, you know uh, I, I guess kissing butt to make your way up the mm-hmm. ladder. And it's no longer about, you know, creating a, you know, writing a story that's, um, you know, breaks some far-reaching truth that people find profound and that wins you awards and then you, you make your way up the ladder to uh, a bigger venue or a bigger platform. That's, that's gone. That doesn't exist anymore. Now all journalism is, a, is editorial, and it's all about espousing the opinion of the establishment and protecting the establishment. That's all that journalists do. Hmm. There's, there is no investigative journalism anymore. It doesn't exist. And some of the good guys, I guess Glenn, Glenn Greenwald is one, he just finally figured that out and got out, right? And he's on his own. Good for him. You know, he's doing some good work. Well, that's interesting. Brandon, stay right there. Let us, uh, before we continue and wrap up, uh, let me just do a, a quick little plug here for couple of our products. Brandon Smith is with us. Again, if you'd like to join with a question, comment, patrick1radionetwork.com. We're talking with Brandon Amalani, and he is uh, the man who brings us the Blue Shield technology to keep us all those little EMFs from uh, doing harm to our body. Mr. Brandon, the Blue Shield is a really beautiful little cube, right? That's the main product. And how does this work? Well, the, the cube essentially sends out signals into the environment that entrain the body. So the body is affected by all these electromagnetic fields in this in the environment. Uh-huh. And when Blue Shield's introduced into the environment, the body starts sympathetically resonating with it. And what we found over 30 years of development is that the body prefers the algorithm, the frequency range, the randomization of frequencies that are exposed into the environment, and the body stops attacking EMF or perceiving the EMF as a threat. And what this does is it normalizes white blood cell count, and it also starts to um, reduce inflammation markers from the body trying to attack the EMF. Wow. So essentially, what's happening is the body is basically renormalizing and reallocating immune power to the body, and it makes the body stronger and more well-regulated. Good job, Brandon. That's an excellent explanation of how this technology works. It's called the Cube, the Blue Shield. See the ad on the front page. Use promo code One Radio for ten percent discount. Get yourself one. Take care of the whole house. That's Blue Shield right on the front page of OneRadioNetwork.com. Yeah, it's a really, really nice company. And this this uh, technology originated in Australia many years ago. So they've got lots of uh, good double controlled, double blind kind of studies with animals and everything, and uh, the mortality rate and give more milk and the chickens do more eggs and don't die as much mortality it's it's crazy it so this thing works and it works with animals so the you know the whole idea of uh, placebo effects not working there because i don't know too many chickens that uh listen to radio or our videos so it's pretty cool you can get one in your home it's a cube and you just um you know you just plug it in and it goes it, it cycles every 45 seconds or so with a different uh a vibration that helps your body to deal more effectively with these cell phone towers and Wi-Fi's and 5G and all the rest of it. 
So if it was just one constant uh, beam, they figured this out early on, then your body would just get used to it and it wouldn't work. Does that make sense? So it's, 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 it's good. So you can go on our website, check it out, order one for your home. It goes out 90 yards, Blue Shield, on OneRadioNetwork.com. Previously with chemist, biologist, and nutritionist George Altgelt, we asked him this. And so what do you think about Dr. Seneff's contention that as these glyphosates are in the soil, they bust the self-recycle, and that's really detrimental to the body? It's extremely detrimental. Uh, sulfur is such an important detoxifying agent for the entire body and especially for the liver. You've got to have trace minerals so that the liver can build these compounds that are essential for getting itself cleaned. And that lady who was talking about sulfur, mm-hmm. man, play that ad every chance you get because our foods are so deficient in sulfur and it is a big deal for the liver to have enough sulfur to make all those compounds that it uses to detoxify itself. Not just sulfur. They're all important, but sulfur is the one that we're so deficient in, and we need sulfur. Thanks, George. I had some this morning. You? You might want to give it a try. You can click an order right on the front page of OneRadioNetwork.com. Three locations, three prices delivered. And if you'd like more than four pounds for a discount, email me, Patrick, at OneRadioNetwork.com. We'll go back to Brandon in just a second. Uh, after I just a quick reminder about our Pearl Sim, it's such a delicious product. I mean, you can take it internally. Uh, we've never really got into the idea of taking calcium because most of it, out ninety nine percent of it, is from a, just a ground up ground up rock. And we've learned over the years that when you take calcium that way, it will just end up in your arteries, and that's not a good thing. Uh, so we recommend raw milk, goat milk, cow milk sheep milk, whatever, that's a good way to get calcium. But if you want to get a little bit more, you can take this internally. It's from Pearl, so it's from a once-living source, which is really critical. You don't make it in a lab. The body knows what to do with it, and it will go in your bones and in your hair, your skin, and everything, and help you to relax. Calcium helps you to relax, help you to sleep, and, and doesn't show up in your arteries. And then you brush your teeth with it, which is the main thing. It's a beauty thing. So this is a great product. Uh, check it out. It's on our website. Get the powder, the little green container, and get some of the capsules too. Or you can just put the powder like I do too in your mouth and swallow it down with some water. Uh, so it's Pearl Seam. It's on OneRadioNetwork.com. Really great. You, you, where do you just brush your teeth with it? You're going to go, it's like, man, you know, it's like, it's going to go out dancing. It'll just be looking so cute, you know. From the Hill Country in Texas, this is OneRadioNetwork.com. We're talking with Brandon Smith on OneRadioNetwork.com, alt-market.us. He's up in Montana. Um, so what do you do when you're not writing? In the, you, you're all home studying up there, like off the grid, and tell me a little bit about you, what you do. I'm interested. Oh uh, yeah, that's you know as a side thing, I, I um, you know I do uh, I write about prepping, I write about survivalism, huh. and uh, most of what I you know I guess all of what I write about is what I practice. So um, yeah, I you know that's that takes up a little bit of my time, and then I I'm, I'm doing a little bit of fiction writing and some other things as well. Oh, you are uh, good so, for you. Yeah, yeah, good for you. Uh, I, I'm, I've been writing screenplays for many years. 
I finished, I'm working on my third, and I, you know, I've got connected up with some people where they're looking for various screenplays, you know, and you can send in, make a pitch and all that, different producers. And I, I have to tell you, Hollywood, you talk about woke, Brandon? My goodness. If it's not black, if it's not female, if it's not trans or gay, this is what they're, they, they're asking for. You know, they, this is what they want. This is what they're looking for. Yeah, I, you know, even, I did some screenwriting did years you? ago, 20 years ago, and, um, yeah, I, you know, had some meetings, had an agent and all that stuff, and it, <laughs> it was, um, I, I was immediately turned off by the whole, the whole environment. Uh, I thought it was, um, what's the word? Uh, there's a lot of ego stroking going oh, on yeah. and, and weirdness and, and, uh, just, um, the, the, uh, the, basically the assertion was that if you, if you did get work as a, a writer, then the producers would be running your life. They would tell you <laughs> right. everything that you, you have to put in the story and you just write the story for them. Uh, you're, you're basically a slave for the producers. And I was like, no, that, I'm not doing that. Yeah. Um, but as you say, things are opening up and we're going to, you know, I'm going to figure out how to produce my own, right? And get it out and whatever. Uh, because Hollywood's just, they're, they're crazy land, you know? They're just, poo, man. Well, 20 years ago, the, the technology didn't really right. exist to, to do uh, all of this stuff sure. independently, at least not for cheap. And now it's everywhere. I mean, you can you can make movies, you can do your own comic books, you can do all kinds of things just from home if you wanted to. And uh, that's why I think YouTube is is uh, just destroying. Um, YouTubers are destroying the mainstream media and uh, mainstream journalism too. They're just nobody wants to watch them anymore. They're they're all on watching YouTubers. Yeah, there's there's uh, girls, uh, teenage girls with cats that look like Hitler. They get more hits than CNN, you know. I mean, uh, I don't even know how these guys are surviving CNN, places like that. It's just, boy, they're losing audiences in droves. So that's good news for us freedom people, right? I mean, some things are changing. Good? Yeah, I, you know, I think that <laughs> it's it's a multi-pronged uh, battle where, no. you know, uh, and I think that's something that, uh, I guess, conservative types, that's a, a problem that... Um, you know, they had for a long time as they did not take the uh, takeover of culture seriously. They didn't um, look at the takeover of popular culture, of movies, of TV. They didn't look at that and say, this is a huge problem, we need to combat this. Uh, they just kind of ignored it and focused solely on politics. On politics, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and that was a huge mistake from conservatives. They should never have, uh, you know, uh, politics is not downstream from culture. Culture is not downstream from politics. They're, they're in tandem. Hmm. Uh, they're both equally important. So you have to pay attention to both. Well, I know a lot of conservatives, and they're just, they, they're, they're banking all their money on President Trump coming in and saving them in two years. And, you know, that could be a big mistake. I think, yeah, I think that's definitely a mistake. I think um, if anyone uh, was going to actually maybe do a, a real good job, it would be DeSantis. Yeah, um, pretty cool guy. So far, I, I haven't found any problems with him so far. You know, I've, I'm always I watching yeah, I either, all his no. politicians. Yeah, he seems for, like he's a pretty good guy. Uh, but maybe, 
you know, maybe uh, Divine Spirit is going to put him in there because if the left has their way, they're not going to even let Trump run. You know, they're trying to run him out of town. <laughs> so it might just work in our favor, you know? Yeah, I also, um, one thing that I think is being overlooked by most people is the economic situation in terms of, I think people see it, they see that it's getting bad, but I don't think a lot of people understand how bad it could get. Yes, sir. Yeah. And uh, even if there is, say, a red sweep this year, or, uh, uh, you know, a Republican, a decent Republican president in 2024, um if the economy is uh, imploding, that's none of that matters. None of that's going to matter. Um, what really will matter is what we do at the local level and how we prepare and how our communities prepare because that's what's going to make the difference. Yeah. And, and, and it could get really, I mean, I'm the most positive guy in the world, but I study monetary history for half for 25 years. And what's going on now, it's just, it's really, really bad. Right, with the, the amount of debt and the amount of money printing and the people in control of things. It could get it could get really out of hand. You know, you could have some you know, like you're saying, the you know, prepper guys could be really kings of the castle. You know, I don't want to see that, but boy, I tell you what, it's possible. Yeah, well, I, yeah, the preppers would uh weather the storm better. I mean, I just uh in terms of the the recent the COVID lockdowns and all of that, I was actually fine uh, through all of that just because I had all my necessities stocked beforehand. Mm -hmm. You know, if I, you know, go to the store and there's all the toilet paper is gone, it didn't matter because <laughs> right. I already had that stuff. You know, uh, certain food items, whatever, you know, I had most of that stuff. So I didn't, ha it wasn't really a big change for me, but for a lot of people, you know, they're kind of, they were scrambling. And I, I remember, I'll, I'll never forget when that the lockdown situation really started and the you know people weren't exactly sure what covid was how much of a threat it was right. um but walking into the grocery store and just seeing people in there their, their faces yeah. and the they, they all looked shell-shocked they all looked like they were just they didn't know left from right um they just looked like terror like they were in terror and uh, I, I'll never forget that, that, that sort of that first week or two weeks of <laughs> the pandemic situation where we weren't sure what was really going on. And uh, yeah, just people were not ready. They were some, not ready. I had a couple of great experiences in here early on where everybody was wearing a mask and I never wore one. I refused to do it. And every now and then I'd run into somebody at our local store like the HEB or the Safeway, huge company out of Texas. And, and I heard this one girl came up and just hugged me. You know, She said, wow, the first person I've seen without a mask today. And I just wanted to let you know that's great. She came up and hugged me. You know, it was terrific. You know, boy, I tell yeah, you. I never, I, yeah, I, ne I never wore a mask either. And no. I, I remember I thought it was funny because, uh, you know, the, the news was saying, you know, it, well, at least insinuating that if you don't wear a mask, you're going to get yelled at by everybody, that they're going to come after you. And uh, I anything. actually yeah. had people smiling at me all the time. You yeah. know, like they would take their mask down and they would smile and they would start talking to me. Yeah. You know, it, it was just they were happy to see something normal, you know. Yeah. I was in Costco one day. I didn't have a mask. And a couple walked over to me, pulled down their mask and did just that. Well, you know, I just wanted to say hi. <laughs> you know? 
It was great. Man, you know, word around the campfire, and I don't know if this is true, uh, is that they're going to try to pull off some kind of new, new, uh, uh, I guess, midterm variant and try to keep people home and do more mail-in ballots. Do you have any theories on that? Have you heard anything in the grapevine about that? Um, I, I, I think if, well, <laughs> I think if they tried it, it wouldn't work. I think that people are over that. Um, I think yeah, that yeah, I think so. The pandemic uh, strategy is sort of a one-time thing. Yeah. Unless you, unless they actually came up with something that was truly deadly, that you know, something along the level of the Spanish flu, uh, which was truly deadly, um, then maybe they could get people scared enough. But uh, I think they thought COVID was going to be very deadly because in Event 201, they predicted around 65 million deaths within the first year. Really? And wow. Yes. And, and you can watch videos there, the, the Event 201 videos on YouTube, um, and they actually mentioned that, 65 million deaths projected within the first year. And that didn't happen, obviously. So I, I think what happened is they thought that COVID was going to be much worse than it was, and uh, that sort of messed with their plans. So um, these kind of so uh, narcissistic sociopaths, so is it a fair um, statement to say that they're going to just keep trying to do what they do and maybe even make try to make things work regardless, kind of uh, never give up? I mean, is that their M.O.? From what I've seen, uh, uh, you know, in, in my studies of these people, yeah. is that they tend to use what I would call a, a scattershot strategy um, or scattershot tactic where they will come up with 20 different scenarios or 20 different crisis events, and then they'll throw them all out there at the same time, which is something we've actually, I think, been experiencing the past few years. Um, we've seen multiple crises. We've seen economic, we've seen biological, uh, we've seen social with the, the BLM riots and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So it seems to me like they're throwing out as many scenarios as possible and just seeing which one sticks yeah. or which one hits the target. And I don't know if they care specifically if, if one works while the other doesn't. You know, I don't think they care. I think they're just looking for that one event that will scare everyone enough to to demand authoritarianism. Mm -hmm. So it's not too spooky to admit that these people really do would like to kill a lot of people. I mean, that's fair, isn't it? Um, <laughs> I mean, it's not fair, but you yeah. know, I think that the, the, the statement is fair. Yeah, I, I think that if we look at the elements of uh, communism in particular, and we see how similar these people are to the communist regimes of the past, uh, you know, it's, it's fair to say that the most likely outcome would be genocide, because that's where most uh, communist regimes go. That's the path that they take, mm -hmm. is genocide. So, A lot of this seems to hang on this whole Green New Deal, but I mean, I do have a sense of how how many people are really buying into it. It seems so so uh, I don't know, just so illogical what they're talking about. 
I don't know if a lot of people are really believing it, much of it anymore. But maybe I just hang around with critical thinkers. Yeah, it depends on where you go. So, you know, if yeah. you live in California or New York or maybe Illinois, <laughs> yeah. um, you're going to hear about it all the time. You're going to have these people who really believe, uh, you know, cultish in their beliefs. They, they're not going to question it. Um, I think most other people are not, <coughs> excuse me, uh, not uh, buying in. I, I don't think they're buying in. I don't think that they're, uh, uh, especially with the global warming thing, um, primarily because there, there's been so many predictions on yeah, uh, climate change. Climate change and the sea levels and all the thing and polar bears dying. Nothing ever has happened. It's all been wrong. Yeah, every single prediction they make has been wrong. And I remember when I was a kid uh, in public school in, in California, um, they used to tell us that uh, the, the, the uh, poles would be melted by the time, uh, you know, we were adults, that the, when we hit, like, year 2000, that the, the polar ice caps would be melted and that the, most of the world would be underwater. They used to tell us that when we were kids. I didn't remember that, though, you know. How old are you? I'm 40, 41. Yeah, you're just a kid. Yeah, so 20 years or 30 years ago they were saying that. So how, what, what year was that? No, whatever. Yeah, so I didn't know that they were, they were starting it that soon, uh, 30 years ago. Hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they were, I mean, it, maybe because I was in California, we were, the test, we were the test kids for that stuff. Yeah. But, but uh, yeah, they, they were pushing all of that stuff, and and I can't remember a single thing they said. They said all the um, endangered animals would be extinct. Uh, <laughs> we wouldn't. We would never see a tiger. Um, you know that kind of stuff, and it it was all wrong. All everything they said was wrong. Well, so. All the all these things are, are well planned out. I mean, I've been around a lot longer than you have. When I was uh, in grade school in the fifties, I mean, it was all about Russia was going to nuke us at any moment, and we were hide under our desk and do drills, and you know it's still going on. <laughs> you know, keep the same same story, same story. Yeah, they well they found a new they found new uh, threats to to try to frighten people with. Um, it's interesting, actually, that the there's a group called uh, the Club of Rome. Oh yeah, which is tied directly to the UN. And they wrote a book uh, in '92. Uh, the name, the title escapes me right now. But they wrote a book in '92 where they mentioned that that um, they were looking for a threat to unif- unify humanity, and make everybody uh, want or demand uh, global government. And one of the, the main things they came up with was environmental catastrophe. Oh, environmental and catastrophe. <clears throat> the magic of the environmental threat was that it's man-made. So, so really, the the ultimate threat is are is human beings, are human beings themselves. Right. And so, if we're the threat, <clears throat> hey, uh, you know that that's something that can be contained. It's not an asteroid from space or the sun blowing up or anything like that. We can control that, right? We can control ourselves. All we need is a little help from an authoritarian government <laughs> yeah, to help. Tell us what to do. <laughs> so we, we stop us from destroying the planet. Uh, you know, help us save ourselves. Like, that, that was the uh, mechanism that they, the Club of Rome came up with. 
and that's what's being implemented right now. Right now, and it's really a brilliant strategy if you think about it. I mean, they may be psychopaths, but they're not totally stupid. I mean, you know, they, they, they and speaking of Rome, before we go, uh, in, in the video, uh, if you're on audio, you couldn't see it, but there was a pope there. So the pope has been in on this stuff in Vatican for a long time, haven't they? Just, we know. Yeah, if Christians are wondering, you know, any Christians out there are wondering why the Pope is seems completely anti-Christian, <laughs> this is this this is why. You know, it's and it's very uh, deceptive the way in, in that video in particular, the way that uh, the these participants. Uh, this, these corporate participants are sort of using religion and saying, you know, it's it's sort of a long-time Marxist argument, but they're rebranding it or, or you know, they're rewording it where they, they claim that, oh, well, Jesus would have been a communist. And uh, it's <laughs> like, well, no, because communists oppress everyone and they murder everyone. So, you know, he no, he wouldn't have. But they're trying to rebrand uh, the, their socialist-slash-communist system as being, um, you know, the same as Christianity, and that's part of the reason why I think that they have the Vatican so heavily involved. Um, I think they're overestimating the influence of the Pope in terms of yeah. getting people to go along with this yeah, stuff. Though. So, finally, uh, a couple of weeks ago, or maybe just a few days ago, you put an interesting article about central bank digital currencies. You say are coming. Uh, just give us a quick uh, synopsis of what you think we're going to see, in your opinion, after looking at these. CBD, CBDCs. Uh, the head of, you know, the head of MasterCard, I, I think I would go with probably with his estimate because I think he let it slip. Um, he? I think he let it slip what the real plan is. And he openly admitted at Davos that the central banks would implement uh, digital currencies in five years. Within, within five years. Within five years. Wow. Yeah. And that seems to be, you know, they're all openly admitting that they're building these digital currencies. I think they're already made, and they're just easing the public into the the idea. But uh, the head of MasterCard said five years is when these would all be released. And in order for that to happen and for the public to accept, you know, no cash, uh, there would have to be a serious crisis event. Um, because once you switch over completely to you know full digital a full digital uh, economy, there's no privacy, and you could have your money uh, shut off, frozen, taken away at any time, uh, with no other options because you have no cash. There's nothing physical to hold in your hand or keep in your house. Uh, so they have total control um, once uh, digital currencies are implemented and. Uh, so they need some major economic crisis in order to frighten people into accepting this. Yeah, which is the Hegelian dialect. Always something like, remember in the in the um, 1929. That's that's what that was about, right? They, woo. And then the the, the, the uh, what was it the uh, bank? Uh, what was it? 1907. What would they call that one, Brandon? Do you know 1907? Uh, Big big banking huge crisis which which initiated then the the uh, the beginning of the Federal Reserve Bank in 1913 the Panic of 1907 it was what it was called so yeah they always build a uh, they always build a platform to where they're going 
Yeah, and the the interesting thing about all of those uh, those economic events before the Fed is they were all short. Almost all of them were very limited. Yeah. You know, it was a couple of years, and then it was over, and things went back to normal. Um, as soon as the Fed got in there, that's when we started getting long term economic crises. <laughs> crises. Yeah. So you had you know you had um, uh, events in uh, from nineteen I believe nineteen. 17 on into uh, 1921, 22. And then you had the the big one, which was the Great Depression. Then in the 1970s, you had a decade-long trend of stagflation, which almost ended in complete disaster in the early 1980s. And then uh, you had the dot-com bubble of 2000, 2001, which went on for, for several years. And then that things went kind of went back to normal again, and then we had the crash of two thousand eight. <laughs> the big one, yeah. Yeah, and I think we're building up to the real big one, which we're in the middle of now, which is a huge stagflationary crisis. Yeah. So you think this is we're going to do a, a deja vu all over again with the seventies and even worse stagflation? Worse, yeah, yeah. much yeah. much it worse. It feels like it, 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 doesn't it? Yeah, it feels like it. Yeah, you know, I, my my grandpa, he actually lost his uh, trucking business in the the late 70s because of the, you know, when they or the early 80s when they they hiked interest rates up so high to deal with stagflation and he uh he had just purchased a bunch of like a fleet of trucks oh. and it just destroyed his his business, he lost millions of dollars because of it. And uh, you know, that's something that uh, you know, that's a story that I I um hold close because what I'm seeing now is is similar and worse than than what happened back then. Yeah. So he had maybe a variable loans and things like that where the interest rates went up, he got clobbered? Oh, I don't I don't know the exact details. Mm-hmm. I just know that that's that's uh the family had a lot of money yeah. <laughs> and then it was gone. Yeah. Um and it was mainly because they jacked interest rates up to 20% in the early 80s. Yeah, pretty much, right? It, I think yeah. the home mortgages got up to 16 or 17, something like that. Whew, man. Yeah, and there's a lot of people today that think that that's not going to happen now. And, that, you know, maybe we won't go as high as 20%, um, but I think that they will keep raising rates for, uh, you know, well into next year, and I think it's going to really hurt. It's going to hurt people. So they need to take it seriously, for sure. You know, I noticed that you have the, the current debt on your website, right? But don't you think it's interesting that it stayed at thirty trillion the last five years? I, I think they don't count it all. Yeah, they're not counting like <laughs> they're not counting the COVID stimulus because that was no, no, uh, six trillion, I believe. Yeah, I mean, I think um, totally you're right. In the last couple of years, Brian, it's been six trillion in new money. Uh, the Fed's balance sheet is like almost ten trillion today. I mean, that they've created, you know. Yeah, the uh, yeah, I think. Uh, the total debt in terms of what they estimate that needs to be paid soon would be 40, 40 trillion. You think it's 40? Yeah, it could be. Yeah. And area. then it's way more than that for unfunded liabilities, things that, um, you sure. know, costs that we've taken on that have to be paid over the next 20, 30 years. Um, that's in the hundreds of trillions of dollars that, that we owe Just as huge. a country. I was looking at the Fed's balance sheet. They still got three trillion dollars worth of mortgage-backed securities that they bought, you know, 
in, in 2008, you know, uh, Fed's, Fed's balance sheet is 8.6 trillion. Wow, 8.6 trillion. Not bad for not having any income, right? And that's not counting all the money that's in circulation. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, you know, I, I don't, they, they, they've taken away those metrics over the years, you know, M3, M1, M2. Uh, I don't th- think we even know, but if, if I had to guess, I'd say it's about 40 trillion running around the world. Yeah, it's it's um, at least that, at least that for yeah. sure. And that um, when you know w- what we're seeing now is uh, you know in the past we've been able to do that because we had the world reserve currency, right? And so boy, all of those dollars going, isn't it? Yeah. would go overseas and be held by central banks overseas or banks overseas, and they wouldn't be circulating in the U.S. Where it would cause more, you know, even more inflation or even hyperinflation. Right. Now the world reserve status of the dollar is in decline. You have all of these countries starting to dump the dollar and switch to other options in terms of trade. So, you know, at the very least, it's the our economy is not sustainable because we need constantly growing uh, world reserve status in order to handle all the money that we keep printing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. The money, that money keeps, that needs to keep going out overseas and not circulating here. Um, that's why when you had the COVID stimulus, we had a huge burst of inflation. It was already happening, but we had a huge burst after the COVID stimulus because a lot of that money stayed in the U.S. Um, so if you have that money coming back from overseas into the U.S. economy, uh, all of those dollars, that's going to cause massive inflation. And as you know, and we're going to talk more about it tomorrow uh, with China and Russia, and they're all getting very creative with uh, buying and selling their goods for whatever they want. I can remember the day when uh, if it, you even thought about selling your oil for anything, the dollars like Saddam Hussein or Gaddafi, they would just kill you, right? And what is what they did. But now Russia, they're selling their oil and gas for rubles, and uh, India, they're buying it for whatever, and Iran, and uh, Brazil, and South America, so it, the game's changing pretty quickly, pretty quickly, big big picture. Well, now the dollar's in the way, because yeah. they want their, their CBDCs, they want their digital currencies, and they want eventually a global digital currency system. So the dollar is in the way of that, They now they're don't, they don't care, now it's uh, they're at the point where the dollar can go away, and they that'll make it easier for them to replace it with other other things, more more centralized and more controlled currencies. But I don't understand how you deal with the forty trillion out there. I mean, you just can't make those obsolete. You so you would get people to change over to the CBDC thing. <clears throat> um, well, you make them obsolete by causing massive inflation. And oh, then see. nobody wants to use the dollar no anymore. More. So you get rid of them and you said, well, let's just get some central bank digital currency things. Yeah, exactly. So you make the dollar uh, almost worthless. You make it very hard to buy things with dollars. Um, you make them not desirable anymore for the public. And then you come in and you say, we have a new currency that uh, is worth a lot more than the dollars in your pocket, but it's digital and uh, you have to use a card or you have to use this chip in your forehead or whatever. Whatever, right. And, and uh, that's how I think they will try to get people. They, they'll try to collapse 
the dollar. They'll they'll probably hurt a lot of currencies uh, around the world in the process, and then they'll come in and say, uh, "This is a, a new system, and this will save you. Um, you, you just have to use this digital currency." To and then, of course, that's going to come with a lot of uh, uh, you know uh, tagalongs, and you have to be up on your shots to get your money and you know, whatever, and you got to behave on social media, that whole thing. Uh, it would be tied completely to uh, a social credit system like they have in China right, right now. It would be completely tied to that. So you, you say the wrong thing, you criticize the wrong people, you say something nasty about the government, they just shut off your, your money. They mm-hmm. just shut it off. You know, a lot, of, a lot of countries are really already trying to, you know, looking at depegging from the dollar because they see this coming. I think Saudi Arabia is the biggest one. They've you know been in on this thing for a long time, and oh, Biden went over there, and they just told Biden, uh, you know, it's been fun, you know, but we're going to do a deal with Russia. That yeah, was pretty pretty traumatic thing for the Biden administration there. Well, it's a brave new world, brother. Yeah, the <laughs> uh, I think that. Uh, the, the, some of these countries have had previous warning <laughs> of oh, what's yeah. about to happen. China specifically. Um, yeah. Pretty much everything China has done uh, has set the stage for them to survive a, a, an economic, a major, like a monetary crisis. Yeah. And, um, you know, their economy is still trash, but most economies are. But the, the way they've set themselves up monetarily, they joined the IMF, they joined the special drawing rights basket, um, they've, they've done a lot of things. Uh, including starting to dump uh, U.S. Treasuries, um, they're setting the stage to survive what's about to happen. Yeah. They'll still get hurt. All countries will, but uh, they're 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 probably going to survive it. Yeah, I think they've sold 100 billion Treasuries just in the past couple months. Um, I think China has, but they're teaming up with El Putin. I don't know what these two got up their sleeve. The yeah, the, the relationship between China and Russia has been building for you know, many, many years, and this is something I've been writing about since oh, probably 2010, 2009, when I noticed that uh, they were talking about bilateral uh, trade agreements to mm-hmm. cut out the dollar. Uh, this was years ago that they were talking about it, and that's when China started issuing its own uh, treasuries, which was not a thing really back then. Uh, it was very new. And uh, I, I, I immediately thought, well, they're preparing for something. They're, they're preparing for some kind of crisis because the system now is the dollar. Um, why would they even bother? They're just, you know, they're, they're uh, a manufacturing nation, uh, industrial nation. Why would they bother with all this stuff, this yeah. monetary, mm-hmm. monetary stuff? And the only reason I could think of is that they were getting ready for a major, a major crisis. Yeah. And it... That seems to be the case now. Well, they're long-term thinkers, right? They're long-term. Much like our country, God love them, you know. They just try to make it home for dinner, you know, and then see what happens tomorrow. <laughs> well, Mr. Brandon, thanks for being on the show. It's always fun talking to you. Tell folks about your, your website uh, when they go there. The Yeah, the website is uh, alt-market.us. That's alt-market.us. And I also uh, run a newsletter called The Wild Bunch Dispatch, and that's more on survivalism, preparedness, all of that sort of stuff. So uh, they can check that out on the, at Alt Market as well. Wild, but, Wild Bunch Dispatch. Cool. 
Well, thanks for being here again. Have a pleasant day there in the great state of Montana. Take care of yourself, Brandon. Yeah, and thanks thanks again for having me. Oh, my pleasure. It's always fun having you. Thank you. Brandon uh, Smith, Patrick Timpone, OneRadioNetwork.com, AltMarket.us. There's a little hyphen there between Alt and Market. US and sign up and get his little wild bunch thing and you can learn about prepping and cool stuff like that. And uh, he's writes some good articles. He's a, he's a critical thinker. And uh, put that on your list and bookmark him and visit his website from time to time and see what he's writing about. All right, kids, I will see you tomorrow. Hope you enjoyed the shows today. Um, we had a good show this morning uh, on OneRadioNetwork.com and um, we will see you. When are we going to see you again? Oh, we'll see you tomorrow at uh, at ten o'clock. Uh, um, Adam Bergstrom, he's going to be here at ten o'clock, and then we will talk about China and Russia in more detail with uh, Matthew Errett. And Matthew is a good guy. He's a great researcher, a real critical thinker, as Brandon, and uh, he's been looking into China Russia stuff for a very long time. So I think that uh, I think you'll enjoy hearing from him. And uh, I check out. We'll, we'll, we're going to stream the video now. We did a great show with uh, um, uh, Moss. Um, what? What's his name? Well, whatever. You know me and names. Uh, oh, Moss West. Moses West. Whoops. Whoop. No, that's not what I want. Sorry. Moses West. And uh, he's got a really cool technology where he just makes water out of uh, out of the air, out of the humidity. And he's a good guy. I think you'll enjoy it. And we'll stream it now, and then we'll stream Brandon again. But I'll see you tomorrow with Adam, Matthew, Eric. there's anything I can do for you, uh, don't hesitate to email. I'm always available. Patrick at OneRadioNetwork.com. Patrick at OneRadioNetwork.com. Questions about our products and services. Um, thousands and thousands of uh, audio on One Radio Network. Our videos on BitChute, and uh, there you have it. So, see you tomorrow, 10 o'clock with Adam. We always have fun, and take care of yourself. From the Hill Country in Texas, this is OneRadioNetwork.com.